Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just a Physician, the podcast where we explore mental health, vulnerability, and so many other interesting topics with people you know and love. And today's creator is one that I've been wanting to have on for a while. When I was first making the list of all the different people I wanted to have on the podcast, you were one of the first to pop up. If you guys are on TikTok and at any way in support of love or part of the LGBTQIA plus community, you have seen his face all over um, your For You page. Josh Helfgott, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Hiram. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, of course. I mean, you are known for the iconic gay news statement that I swear has like turned into a trend <laughs> online. It's so awesome. It and, has. Yeah, and it's so cool to like see you, like be able to talk to you in kind of this capacity beyond the TikToks that I've seen because we've messaged, but we haven't like actually like been able to chat face to face. Well, you know, as close as we can with the screens anyway. <laughs> It feels like I'm with you. I wish I could be in Hawaii. I would literally, next time, yes. next time we do it in Hawaii. <laughs> next time, I know. Or even in New York City um, when I come out and visit you. Because you were telling me that you're yes. currently in upstate, which is like, are you, when you say upstate New York, how like country upstate are you? <laughs> it's pretty country. Really? It's like the most country I've ever lived in. Yeah. Okay, nice. I got to go to upstate New York once and I was just blown away because, you know, when everyone thinks of New York, they always think of Manhattan. They always think of New York City. But I was like, oh, my gosh, there's just rolling green hills everywhere. It's gorgeous. And I feel like I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I haven't been since I was a kid. I need to I need to come visit at some point. Yes, come. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's it is. It is all those rolling green hills. I went to college up here, actually. I went to Cornell oh, really? University. But that's like, yeah, a couple hours north of where I am now. Oh, gotcha. But, I've noticed as like an adult years later, way after college, the allergies, like, oh my God, I, like <gasps> oh, every yeah. day. Because if I, in Manhattan, where I lived after I graduated, mm-hmm. there's no allergies, but up mm-hmm. here, oh my gosh. Oh, RIP, my gosh. I can only imagine like what the, what's that's <laughs> oh, like. It's so bad. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I feel like here in Hawaii, it's a little bit like easier on the allergies. I guess it depends, but like, at least you kind of have that like ocean breeze. But I swear, like I've heard during the summer right now, it's like, crazy and i'm really i'm really glad i don't have to deal with that i hope hope you are getting some ease from the pain (laughs) of just the crazy allergy season but anyway beyond new york i'm super excited to have you on because you are such an intelligent person and offer such important content i think in the social media space really highlighting either the ways that we have progressed in terms of embracing the LGBTQIA plus community um, or, you know, things that I think we, you know, in our country or even globally need to do to further protect or fight for um, the rights of, you know, queer people. And I think your content is so awesome because in the ever shifting kind of world of media, news, press, and with some stories not being able to really come to light, I feel like I love following your page because it gives me a little bit of like, hope for the world whenever I see positive gay news, you know, any moments of whether it be stories that you've highlighted of parents accepting their children coming out or policies that have been passed in support of, you know, queer people, whatever it may be, I feel like it brings a lot of light to my life and it does the same for a lot of other people too as well. And I kind of want to ask you like, before we get into like the full conversation, like when did you start? Why did you start the page? What do you hope it's going to do? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for everything you said. I 
started making TikToks uh, right when COVID kind of hit, March 2020. Mm, okay. Um, so I guess around like two years ago, a little over two years. And I did it because when I was a kid, I had absolutely no friends, like uh, middle school, high school, none, because everyone thought I was weird. And then they learned mm. the word gay, and then they learned the F slur, and it was just Ugh. always a constant... Yes re-labeling and re-boxing of me in any mm -hmm. new weird different way so i was completely ostracized and i wanted mm -hmm. to make sure that anyone else any kid today who is feeling the way i felt when i was 13 knows that they are not alone so that's the only reason mostly why i make gay news and all my videos oh i absolutely love that that is so important and i respect you a lot for that because first off you know i'm sure having grown up in that environment where you're ostracized where you're criticized for just being who you are you know it kind of sends a message a lot of times to so many people that you should hide it you should be ashamed of it you should keep it away you shouldn't live your authentic life let alone like you being able to overcome that hurdle let alone getting to the point of comfortability of being so public facing and being online and open to that entire world and wanting to really share that positive message, I think is so needed and really reinforces the you know power of one story. I've talked to some other guests on the podcast. I had a recent episode with Brad Mondo where he was sharing his experience, you know, like growing up gay and, you know, what it's like um, kind of showing that online and the vulnerabilities you kind of open yourself up to. But it all comes down to, even with me sharing my story, I was like, if me doing this and sharing my story online can help one kid in a rural town in the middle of nowhere, just like where I grew up, feel like they're not alone, then it's, it's all worth it. And I feel like you doing this and sharing your story is doing exactly that, but at a such bigger, more wide scale. It's super, super inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, your story is inspiring too. And it it's so courageous. I know obviously firsthand how hard it is to go public with any content that's personal. Mm -hmm. And I think like a lot of people who aren't creators don't realize that there's always, when creators are making a video, they're deciding how personal do I get here? Mm -hmm. Like, do I talk about the subject, right? Should we just talk about skincare? Or should I just talk about news? Or do, you know, I incorporate myself into the story? Mm -hmm. And and how much, how much of us do we put? Because yeah. every single thing you put, there's always a reaction. There always. might be that huge good change, but mm -hmm. then there will always be pushback. And beyond pushback, um, you know, especially on TikTok, people can make stitches and duets and various <laughs> ways of coming at you just because of who you are. Yeah. And and it's hard because we see the comments. Like, I don't think people realize, like, you you see the comments, I, oh, I think, yeah. right? I see oh, all the absolutely. comments. absolutely, yeah. I think people think that creators people. just don't really, like, keep in, like keep track or, like, watch kind of the conversations that's happening within their communities. But yeah. absolutely, we're aware of a lot of it. So I'm sure you see so much, <laughs> a bunch of different things. Yeah, I turned off my, um, like, I don't want to, I remember when I started TikTok, the thing that would give me the most anxiety, you got the notifications, all the mm -hmm. numbers. So you'd have your number of likes, your number of comments, um, number of new followers, and then number of mentions. And the mentions are where someone tags you in their video. Most mm -hmm. likely it's a duet or a stitch or something like that. And whenever I would see like a huge number of mentions, I knew today was going to be a bad day. And do I click mm -hmm. that? and start looking at the videos of people bullying me or not. And I think the thing that gave me the most peace um, in like the past year or so was just turning off my mentions. I get, yeah, I get criticized for that too, mm -hmm. but I just turned them all off so I can just go, go in peace. 
Yeah, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, if you're wanting to create content that helps uplift people, that makes the world a better place, going into just that hellish cycle of like seeing what people are saying about you, all the different opinions and the criticism and everything. If it's, if it doesn't help your mental health at the end of the day, it is not worth it to continue to kind of, uh, you know, expose yourself to that. Um, if it's not going to help, you know, make your life any better or help in the way that you can contribute to making the world a better place. And I think you're completely within your right to be able to do that. And like, that's even one thing I think that's really interesting that I've noticed in the social media space, which um, I didn't even think to ask you this, but I'm genuinely curious because I personally have noticed this, you know, as a content creator online, like you were saying before, you open yourself up to all different types of feedback, all different types of thoughts and criticism. And I've noticed that when it comes to topics that are the most important in terms of like human rights, um, acceptance, um, you know, political ideologies and political changes that need to be made, um, it seems like the more you're trying to create that really substantial world change, the more flack, the more hate, the more negativity and criticism you face. For example, whenever I make my skincare content, I get the least amount of hate comments or the least amount of criticism because it's kind of revolving around, you know, something that I think a lot of people can, you know, mutually feel the same about. But anytime I talk about, you know, a political issue that's really important to me, um, you know, my homosexuality, my personal journey, my experience with religion, Oh, it's like the floodgates open. So I can only imagine for you, <laughs> like how, how taxing that would be to, to have to process all of that. It's, it's so hard. Um, it really is like, there's so much, I mean, when I went to VidCon and I met you there, yes, I, I was able to, to meet so you. many, I remember. Yes, I, I, so I, I met a lot of creators, which was super cool, like to yeah. finally see everyone in person. And I had this conversation with a group of big creators. And one of the big questions that I asked, I don't think it was big to them, but to me, it was like, I, I somehow I incorporated, like, do they, you know, how much hate do they get? Or like those feelings of like the fake cancellations and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And most of them were like, oh, it's not that bad. Um, of course, they were like, I get horrible comments and like mean videos. But in terms of like massive hate on a huge scale, no. Mm -hmm. And I realized it's because of the content they make, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you make content about painting or I don't know, even skincare, most people agree that putting on the ordinary's like red face <laughs> exfoliant, you know, we know the product for yes. 25, 35 minutes is going to burn your skin off. That's not controversial. It is yes. mostly considered fact because you can feel it. It's it's very obvious. But then when you talk about um, just being gay, and for example, mm -hmm. me saying gay news, just two words, gay news, is immediately controversial Ugh. because I'm shoving it down people's throats. Oh, gosh. And I'm, I'm, pushing, I'm pushing it on Pushing children. an agenda. And yeah. if I, if I, <laughs> I know, I know, an agenda. And what's so interesting is actually I'm just living my life. Like if mm -hmm. I'm pushing an agenda and they're straight saying this, they're pushing a straight agenda on me, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm literally just talking to LGBT kids. Like my audience, when I make a video, I want to talk to them. And the fact that I can even get on homophobic people's for you pages, mm -hmm. because obviously like, uh, if you know, the way TikTok works is it shows videos that they think you're going to watch, yes. they think you're going to be interested in. So I get why homophobes would mm -hmm. be interested in gay news, but it's also something that I think they should question because if that's one of their priorities, like my for you page does not come up uh, with people who 
I honestly like this, I don't know if this is a good thing or bad thing, but mm-hmm. with people who like I dramatically disagree with, for example, gotcha. like these huge, huge Trump supporters who are just pushing their thing, mm-hmm. I'll get the opposite. Like I'll get a stitch that someone makes against that person. So like, I think when you really get into my content, the thing is, is that these people are so passionate mm-hmm. about hating mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community and about deciding um, that we are bad, we're bad for society and we're bad for children. And like this narrative is so tried and it's so failed because I, I like, and, and it's terrifying to think that these people exist, but they do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to realize that because the number of people who at my age, like millennials, who say that it's probably better for kids today and mm-hmm. that it's not as bad as when we were kids because, you know, Gen Z, yep. you know, it's an evolved generation. Everyone can get married. It is bad. It is mm-hmm. absolutely bad. Yeah, I mean, and that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, it it really does. I think, you know, as sometimes when we are in an environment where the people around us and our friends and our family largely kind of agree um, when it comes to just uh, perspectives on life and political ideologies, it's easy to really think that that's what the whole world is like. And especially when we have seen, you know, positive political policies be put in place, AKA, you know, legalized gay marriage, um, different protections, whatever it may be. It's easy to kind of assume that the world is progressing as quickly as, you know, the environment that you're in. But that's why I believe it's so powerful to share a story because even for me, when I was sharing my story growing up, you know, on a cattle ranch um, and being in a very close-minded religious and extremely homophobic community, I remember seeing the amount of comments that were just so shocked and horrified where they were like, people like this still like still exist. There's people out there who are really that homophobic and that closed minded. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, it's, it shows the importance of recognizing that there are still so many ways that we need to progress. And just because there is a political policy in place does not mean that culturally and socially we have evolved at that same rate equally. And, you know, it's also, it it pushes the importance of like us needing to talk about it, which is why I think you do so well within your content and I think it's funny that people would say it's an agenda or say that you're pushing it on people or whatever because first of all you're literally just sharing gay news like that's what you do it's literally just news you you're essentially a reporter on it and secondly for the people who get so bothered by it coming up on their for you page like the homophobes I'm just like you know the way that the TikTok algorithm works is that it shows you content based off of your interests so like what does your browsing history look like? What are you, what are you, what's going on back there, homophobes? I'm curious. Because it's always, I feel like in my yeah, experience, yeah. the most homophobic people who are, you know, kind of have the most internal learning to do and, and the most waking up to do when it comes to their own personal feelings surrounding, you know, homosexuality, which is kind of a generalization, but I see it happen so many times where, you know, and I'm sure you've seen it too, like on the news, the amount of pastors or anti-LGBT politicians that news breaks, what they've been doing behind the scenes does not, you know, mm. does not fall in line with what they're spouting. So I, I find it really interesting that you're, they would go get so upset about your content when in my opinion, it's just like, you're just reporting on what's happening. You're, that's, that's what your page is. Yeah, I think, I think, um, Sadly, they're taught it. Mm-hmm. Um, every, you know, 2022, right? We're only halfway through the year, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, more L- more anti-LGBTQ laws have passed mm-hmm. and been proposed this year than yes. any other year in history. 
And you can even start adding up years. For example, like take the past four years, add it up. You know, this year we have dramatically blown past that. Um, mm -hmm. Every single, uh, pretty much every single red state has uh, proposed anti-LGBTQ legislation and so yep. many of them have passed. Like Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill, which everybody yes. knows about because Ugh. it was so viral, is not the only state that has it. There are mm -hmm. so many other states that pass copycat bills, but it doesn't get that attention. And, you know, I don't even give it the attention because, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm hard on myself for that sometimes, but it's like, this is hard for me. Like I am still just like a, like a regular gay person, you know, mm -hmm. like I feel all the feelings and it's, do I make 16 videos or whatever on every, every single time there's a new state that mm -hmm. passes a don't say gay copycat law? I don't know how many states there are, but it's a huge number. Um, do I make a video for every single state? that bans a trans kid from going to the bathroom mm -hmm. or from playing sports, you know? And I will cover it sometimes, mm -hmm. um, but I also, I think it like, it makes me sick and I think it mm -hmm. can make the audience sick too. So like this Absolutely. is a balance and I think states take advantage of that. Like, so why do I do what I do? Do I make a difference? I think about that all the time mm -hmm. and I'm not totally sure of the answer to if I make a difference in policy, but I know I'm making a difference for the audience who needs somebody to remind them that they are good enough. Because if they have yes. a parent right now who's telling them that they're not good enough or that they're, they, they can't live with them mm -hmm. or that they're going against God or they're a bad person, they're lying, they're not actually LGBT, um, that they need to repent for their sins, they need to go to church, they need to go to conversion therapy, any message just talk to a pastor, talk to a therapist. Mm -hmm. You know, I put out warnings sometimes because the way conversion therapy begins, which mm -hmm. is still legal in many states, is simply by what is just going to therapy. Yeah. Like your mom or dad says, hey, do you mind just, um, we want to just have you see a therapist. It's okay, you know, recommended yep. by the pastor. That therapist, if it came through mm -hmm. your church, that is the, that is the funnel to conversion therapy. Uh, every single time pretty much conversion therapy begins, it begins through a funnel yep. because churches have funnels. Conversion therapy exactly. is not a new thing. If you're a queer kid and you and you get pushed into it, they already had this program mm -hmm. set up. Like your church was waiting. There were other queer kids. You might not know them because they might already be yeah. converted. And conversion therapy is obviously just a series of abuse. There is no exactly. conversion. I can't take a straight person or a straight kid mm -hmm. and make them gay. I can't take a cisgender person and make them trans. And nobody can take me and uh, make me straight because I'm not. I'm glad you touched on that because that's literally what happened to me. Like when I was first having, I was I was going through a few different mental health challenges, but um, you know, one of the mental health challenges, uh, you know, was labeled um, by you know people in my life as you know being gay as a problem, and therapy was recommended. And I actually had an aversion to therapy for a while. I really hated it because my first introduction to therapy was a religious therapist who used those religious ideologies um, within his practice, which in my opinion is completely unethical because you have to meet the client on their belief system, on their level and not encourage that. And um, thankfully I was able to get out of it, which it's so sad knowing how many kids and how many people go to therapy because they know it's important because they know it can help and succumb to the really gross practices of you know conversion therapy tactics and you know um religion being interfered in a way that you know really disables the person um you know from fully accepting themselves and and for me that was the case and that's why i was like okay fuck therapy 
I am never going again. This was an awful experience because it's just trying to, you know, make me feel terrible about myself. And, and I think with what you were talking about, first of all, I just want to say you should never ever question if you're making a positive difference in the world. I'm going to tell you that. And I know that's, you know, I know you are always questioning that because you are a good person, but the positive difference that you're making, I think is so good. And with the type of content you create, I can only imagine the pressure you would face to like on how to balance the negative news versus the positive news. Because if the internet has taught us one thing, it has taught us the power of attention and that something solely having attention gives it so much more power than had it not. It's literally how Trump got into office, you know, was because of the sensational attention um, surrounding that. And sometimes by so consistently and regularly highlighting the bad, negative, really depressing news, it can, you know, um, really affect us negatively in so ways. And I'm a firm believer in positive reinforcement. And I think with your content, like sharing the positive stories, sharing the amazing things that have happened can help remind homophobic and closed-minded people of our humanity at the end of the day, that instead of focusing on the negativity and driving conversation around that, albeit sometimes it's important, you know, to highlight that obviously. So when we know what changes we need to make, I think through positive reinforcement and sharing those beautiful stories, um, it can really help to change people's mind from an empathetic level where they're like, wow, you know what? The parents are accepting their kids. Look at how loving they are. That's amazing. Or whatever, whatever situation it may be. I think it's important to highlight that positivity so that, you know, people can really have that change of heart separated from so any po political stuff, you know? I, I don't know if you agree with that. That's personally how I feel. No, I do. I completely agree. I mean, I posted a video, uh, I think like late last week or maybe two weeks ago about um, how Marvel announced uh, a gay Spider-Man mm -hmm. that's going to be in yeah. an upcoming comic. Um, and so when I make that video, like this is something I guess I never talk about. So let's do it right here. <laughs> Did I get it right? Juxtaposition? Just a position. Yep. Just a position. <laughs> yes. Oh um, with Hiram. So like, I really, I really feel that. Uh, uh, okay. So when I'm making that Spider-Man video, mm -hmm. I think through why am I making this? Like, and and what and how can I use this to help someone? So I remembered that Tom Holland said in an interview, um, I think it was with Variety on YouTube that. Uh, he believes that there should be a gay Spider-Man and That's he would cool. actually love to share the screen with that character. Um, like those are pretty much the exact words he used. So I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to find that clip. Let's pull it. Yeah. And I remember Andrew Garfield, obviously he was in a controversy many years ago, actually when he was in Spider-Man, his Spider-Man, mm -hmm. uh, he had made like an off the cuff comment that maybe Spider-Man's bisexual or could be bisexual. Mm. It got so much controversy. Oh, the question ended up being <laughs> asked to Stan Lee. There was like a lot of laughter about it, you know, and this is, one of the biggest clips that's actually used against me whenever I make these videos. Mm. There's this clip of Stan Lee. Um, someone said, I heard Spider-Man might be bisexual. And he's like, bisexual? I'm going to need to talk to someone about that or something. And the whole mm. audience laughs. So it implies that he doesn't support it when he said multiple times in an interview that um, he thinks that Spider-Man can be anyone. Mm -hmm. And he specifically says gay or straight, mm -hmm. white or black. Like he gives multiple examples. But hey, like with all honesty, I mean, he's an old man, he's on an interview and mm -hmm. some guy says like bisexual Spider-Man. He's like, that's not how I wrote him. Mm -hmm. But of course he knows very well, like the concept of the multiverse was with him. But anyhow, yeah. this is how people use things against you. They take things out of context. So I try and put things in context, but I also know the context really is what is the audience going to see. So yes. if a kid's sitting at home, their mom just told them that, um, you know, 
they're not going to pay for college anymore mm -hmm. because they're gay. Or, you know, they, there's these weird punishments that parents impose. Yes. And then you see Tom Holland saying that, that he supports you. Mm -hmm. And then you see Andrew Garfield. What if I could get that? And I found it because mm -hmm. Andrew's such a huge vocal supporter of the queer community. And we get mm -hmm. Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield both saying to you at home that they love you and they support you. So that Spider-Man video really isn't about a gay Spider-Man to me. Mm -hmm. It's about a vehicle to show that these credible people, people who are well-respected by homophobes mm -hmm. and by non-homophobes, by all people actually right now in the world, they have your back. And oh. that is the intention of that video. That's yes. It. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I love that you're able to have that kind of like a high sight of a perspective because it really is, you know, even I think even as content creators, uh, especially within your space, as much as, you know, we want to be, you know, like a, a downplay kind of the, the power that can sometimes come with influence, your videos really do have so much power in that sense. And well, anyone's videos really, because, you know, even for me, example, as, a, as an example, like growing up, I didn't have any gay role models. I didn't see it in media at all. The one person I knew who was gay was Ellen. And the second, like my parents figured out that she was gay, they were like, Oh, we don't support that. Don't watch that. Don't agree with it. You know, shut down immediately. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, once I was able to get to college and I saw gay YouTubers and stuff like that, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like there's so many people who are like me out there when I thought I was, you know, the odd one out, the one that, you know, was never meant to, to fit in. And I wish I had a role model or just that representation. Like if I had someone that I really respected or looked up to when I was little, um, in media say those things like the power that would have had i remember when gay marriage was legalized and for me that was like such a big moment because even though you know people in my life were so upset about it and there was so much outrage um from everyone i could see in my community i remember sitting there and just being like wow i have never felt like seen in this way and it, it's so encouraging and i love that even even though your content may, may seem to some people like, I don't know, like, for example, people are just like, oh, it's just a, you know, post about Spider-Man and, and the news around it. You have no idea the impact that that can have to someone who is truly fee feeling alone, truly feeling like they are not represented. And also, like you said, the impact it can have on homophobic people, closed minded people like it's 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 a lot of influence and power that I think you you handle in such a uh, impactful and really graceful way. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's interesting, the impact of um, social media and like media in general. The only reason really that I took this avenue was because people on TV when I was a kid made me feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, it was it was Oprah and Britney Spears, mm -hmm. two very different people. But to me, they're so similar in many ways because they both are empowered and assured and confident. Like when Britney yes. came on in the Baby One More Time music video, when I was like eight, nine or 10 years old or something on that like thick TV with the big back, <laughs> uh, you know, like these big TVs, the, you know, they're huge. And yep. um, she was in that hallway so confident. Mm -hmm. She was owning it, it was her hallway. And of course, yeah. like the way a lot of conservative people saw this was about like the sexualization of women. I saw it mm -hmm. as empowerment. I mm -hmm. saw it as like a girl who is like taking control and saying like, this is me. This is my school. This is my world. I'm alive. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm right mm -hmm. here and I am in control of my destiny. I've, and I think that's like really 
as so much of her songs are actually about that narrative. Like Britney, to me, is a message of empowerment. And I think, of course, like that's why so many fans, including myself, were so vocal about the Free Britney movement because all of her empowerment as a human being yes. was taken away, um, yeah. which is something that's you know going on across the country right now for anyone with a uterus and for women. Mm -hmm. um, this concept yes. of like taking away your empowerment of who you are. Mm -hmm. And like, it might be a weird comparison, but um, you know, that's what Britney stood for, for me as a mm -hmm. kid, uh, just in my gut and my soul. And Oprah literally would say this out loud. Oprah was so, so assured about who she was mm -hmm. based on these traumatic experiences that she's gone through. Because Oprah's trauma, she shares it, and it is uh, extremely, extremely deep. There's physical and emotional trauma, and she's yes. so open about it. Mm -hmm. And she, she made me feel like maybe um, it's okay and it's normal to have trauma mm -hmm. because I thought I was the only one. Yes. I thought I was the only gay kid, but I also thought I was the only one with all of this baggage. My family was the family with the baggage. You know, everyone yeah. else's was perfect. Mm -hmm. And that was not true. And having Oprah share that with me, someone who's so successful but so open about the imperfections and the trauma, quite literally, of life yep. was something that was so valuable to me as a middle schooler and a high schooler who had nobody telling it. And I, I actually think like it's worth an interruption to say like, why isn't this taught in school? Why is this not a priority mm -hmm. to explain that you have had trauma in your life? And yes. that, oh my um, gosh, I, I, I don't understand. You know, we, we all had horrific, and I think we just think we're the only ones. And I think if this is normalized in education somehow, mm -hmm. maybe it means like a group therapy as a part of school. I don't know. Maybe we do need to, no, yeah. we do need to reform our education. This Absolutely. is what we need to be taught. I did not need to be taught how to do laundry um, <laughs> as much as I needed to be taught how to do this, because those are things yes. that anyone can teach you and YouTube videos can teach you, mm -hmm. but you cannot teach that you are not alone and that you are worthy in any way. And it, maybe it means every kid sees a therapist once a month. And I know we talked about therapy earlier, but yeah. to clarify for everyone, that was a different type of therapy, right? Very when a therapist comes yeah, through not a the pastor, same <laughs> as it's like, what therapy it's should like be. Fake. Exactly. Like those are like fake therapists. There's mm -hmm. like this religious narrative of therapy that's actually pushing a religion it's funny because like i'm pushing an agenda who's pushing the agenda here? exactly you know I mean? exactly like, especially for an online, industry like, like you... therapy is supposed to be the whole point of therapy is sitting down hearing someone out their life experiences and being able to provide from a mental health professional perspective you know ways and solutions that they can get through their own path and get through their own journey completely disconnected from any personal desires, wants, beliefs that you have. And that's why I think like therapists who are, you know, do heavily integrate their personal political or religious views into their practice. It, it's honestly, in my opinion, like evil because you are dealing with kind of just like the sanctity and the, the vulnerability of someone's mental state. They are trusting you and you are, going against that and deliberately, you know, uh, impairing them in that way, in a way that could really fuck them up for the rest of their lives. And that's what makes me so mad about not only my personal experience with my therapist, but any therapist who kind of operate in that unethical way, because I'm like, do you even realize what you are doing and the amount of damage that you are causing to this individual, how much damage that individual is going to cause to other people in their life? And especially with the state of the world right now, like mental health is something that I think everyone should 
be aware of. There should be resources available. Therapy should be free. Everyone should have a therapist. It should be integrated in schools because the thing, I think that's consistent across the board for any mental health issue, whether it be you know, depression, whether it be addiction, um, you know, uh, coming to terms with your homosexuality in a homophobic environment, whatever it may be, the thing that is prevalent is shame, guilt, and feeling completely alone. And if we can like fully mm. integrate, I think, good mental health practices into so many different elements of education in our lives, um, it will have, it will communicate the message that like, you're not alone. You're not weird for feeling this way or going through these challenges. There are other people who are struggling with similar things. There's resources available. You can get through this because that that shame is just so, so powerful and really has a grip on us when we are going through those mental health challenges. And that shame is like literally integrated within the LGBT community. Yes, it is heavily. It is, honestly, right now, it's like an essential part. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like as a gay man, like I'll speak to that because I think there's so much that uh, I see like firsthand. Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, every single gay guy, mostly, give or take, whether they, uh, some honestly have erased this memory, was bullied as a kid for being different. It was mm -hmm. noticed by someone that they were different in any way. And of course, like we know that People noticed it hugely for me. And um, what happens is, is that you begin to feel like a loser. You begin to feel, believe the narrative that everyone's telling you, like you're a sissy, you know, <laughs> you're going to get chosen last for the sports team. You're not good enough. You know, you're too feminine. You need to be more masculine. And you're, you're just not a, like a worthy human being, honestly. Yep. Like, that's what they teach. That's what they push. Ooh, that thunder. I don't know if you hear it, but it Ooh, is here in okay, New York. It's like crazy. <laughs> I know. So uh, and I hope that's not like some... Omen, omen, ominous. I don't know the <laughs> yeah. word. Like, it's a sign. Know, spirits. Um, <laughs> is it a sign? But like, okay, so you, there's a reason why so many gay men are muscular mm -hmm. as adults and as yeah. grownups, and it's because uh, muscles are armor. It's muscles are respected by straight women. You know, you're strong. Look at you. Thank you. You know, you can help out. Mm -hmm. Any of those things. Muscles. Uh, muscles are um, viewed as very sexy to other gay men. Yep. And to straight men, most importantly, I think in this narrative, yes. um, they respect it too. They think, uh, huge arms, dude, great job, you know, nice mm -hmm. body, whatever. Straight guys really will respect the, the muscle and the work that you put into that. So now you're going to be a more valuable person. There is no question that the reason why muscles are so critically important to gay men, not just in the US, but in the world is because it is an armor for the shame that they are not worthy or good enough and all those things that they were told as little kids. Wow. This makes yes. them masculine. It makes mm -hmm. them respected by straight guys. Now they're one of them, it makes them powerful to women and it makes them um, very attractive to other men. And yes. that fact, because I'm sure you know, like, I mean, if you go into a gay bar, muscles are painted everywhere. Yep. This isn't just uh, posters or magazines. This is truly, if you think about your friends, um, mm -hmm. if you think about yourself possibly, because I know myself, you know, um, and I, because, like of having gone through it myself and here talking to so many of my followers that when they come out, they now have to like take care and make sure that like their mom or dad is okay. Yes. Um, they have, they, because they might, they might be feeling so sick. Yeah. They like take on the responsibility of managing other people's emotions uh, right. in relation to like what their own identity is, because now right. it's not about you you know, fully coming to terms, really wrapping your head around it, have, having a good support system to kind of help you through that journey. You're now 
you know, shouldering the, the weight of other people's emotions, how they're going to respond to it, having to lead people in your life through the acceptance process of it, if, if they even go down that process. And if they don't, you know, having to deal with the lack of support system and those people in your life, like there's so many things that are immediately kind of placed upon your shoulders, which is why I think a lot of people like put off coming out for so long because because they're mm-hmm. aware of that and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a fear. And you know, so you and were saying you had to fault. experience that as well. Yeah, it was brutal. I mean, I think being a kid is brutal. I think mm-hmm. uh, figuring out who you are um, and also like unpacking what's causing something, right? Like mm-hmm. I think, for example, when I was young, I do remember the moment I was 100% sure I was gay. People always ask this question, like, when did you know you were gay? Oh my mm-hmm. God, I was in a taxi at VidCon and, and Uber to the TikTok party. And of course I'm talking to, so talking to the driver. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know how I, people always like, they, I, somehow I come out to everybody without coming out, <laughs> I think. Like it's just part of the conversation. Uh-huh. And I don't exactly know what I say, but we're talking to him and I'm like, um, I was probably talking about an insecurity I had or something because mm-hmm. I'm like, who cares? I'm never going to see him again. And he's, he ends up starting to ask me questions. Um, like that almost, it was like, uh, when, when did you, can I ask, um, how did you know you were gay? Mm-hmm. When did you know? And that's all innocent. But then yeah. I think, um, you could see like what was behind it was this like shock, I, I can't put it into words, but you feel something mm-hmm. in the moment. I don't know. You could just, and yeah, this question, just like, this when do you know you're yeah. gay? You know, we've all been asked, when yep. do you know you're gay? Yep. And it's like, no one asks a straight person. And I asked <laughs> exactly. him back. So my response to that question was, when did you know you were straight? Uh, I love and I it. said, like, you know, did you ever, you know, were you deciding between if you liked girls or boys? Because that is the question, really, that he's asking. Mm-hmm. So, like, you were thinking, like, do I like girls? Do I like boys? And when did you realize you liked boys? But for me, it wasn't ever a... a battle but you know what I mean or anything Mm -hmm. like that I just liked boys and I had to deal with all the confusion as society telling me I liked girls there Mm -hmm. was definitely the I think the battle was between what society's telling me and what I'm telling me but that battle wasn't between like boys or girls or anything like that for me uh I always knew and I remember I was in the shower and this isn't going where it sounds but I was in the shower it's because it's a private environment and (laughs) it's like where you can think right I know Mm. I know it's like a terrible way to introduce it but like (laughs) in fifth grade right so this is true and there were two bottles of conditioner and one was the cheap one that i would use and then one was my mom's expensive one mm-hmm. and her expensive bottle had this little hole that because i guess so you don't use too much of the conditioner mm-hmm. when you squeeze it onto your hand it's funny because like i it's like moderately relates to like care you know i don't know mm-hmm. it's hair care yeah, but I whatever it. not skincare but <laughs> so anyway i'm squeezing i'm squeezing the hyaluronic acid i'm squeezing my mom's <laughs> conditioner onto my hand and i realized that i could um draw on the wall with it mm-hmm. and i wrote on the wall a heart, and then I put J plus C, which was Josh and Chris, because there was this boy named Chris mm. in school that I really, really had a crush on. And oh, that's I so thought that he was just popular. I just thought I wanted to be like him. You know, I mm-hmm. wanted to dress like him. Like he had a Tasmanian, Tasmanian devil. I don't know how to say it. Tasmanian but devil. But that character yeah. from like, Tasmanian devil. He had that t-shirt on and I bought that t-shirt. I like found it at Old Navy. <laughs> and I wanted to be like him. The realization that I didn't want to be like him mm-hmm. and that I didn't just like him because he was popular and I wanted to be friends with him, but I actually had a crush on him. Mm-hmm. That's the moment I realized that I never knew. And I remember looking at that heart on the wall with J plus C and the deepest feeling of shame and mm. pain and like concern came yep. through me. It was this like primal fear that I honestly can't put into words, but it, it's based on this concept that the rest of my life, I'm going to be the guy living on the side of town that nobody likes mm-hmm. and is different. 
and just unloved. Like I am un unfortunately the messed up, bad, disgusting one. Yep. And uh, the fact that I learned that at such a young age, fifth grade is just horrifying to think about. Um, I erased it yeah. off when I felt that feeling and I never drew that heart again, <laughs> you know, and I never, I just pushed it down for mm -hmm. like at least seven years. And I think because like that experience that you had, that shame, that guilt associated with that, I mean, it all kind of ties in back together why people kind of perceive gay people as having a moment of realizing they're gay, of coming out of all these different things because society has, you know, the norm and just the, the default positioning of assuming that everyone is straight from the beginning. And so it's not so much a realization of you being gay. Like people ask me that question all the time too. And I'm like, well, I don't know. It's like kind of something you always know. It's more so a realization that you're different, that your life is going to be difficult, that you're going to face rejection. That's more so I feel like what you're realizing in the process of you learning that you're gay rather than any actual feelings surrounding significantly attraction, uh, sexuality, whatever it may be, because those are just, those are fluid. They kind of just come and go as we grow up for any person. It's not this one defining moment where a beam comes down from the sky and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, a, you know, uh, part of the rainbow crew. It's, it's not <laughs> like that. And that, so right. I think that's the oh importance of like normalizing, not this environment of like, are you gay? You know, do you like boys, girls? You know, when when did you discover that or having a default for anyone that they are straight? I think it's important to allow people to kind of discover that on their own because then the shame and guilt associated will fade away. Um, it can be just a more accepting environment overall. It takes that pressure off. And I think from the very beginning kind of sets a precedent for the individual who is, you know, um, coming to terms with their sexuality, uh, that it's okay, that it's normal, that it is to be accepted and that there's nothing truly wrong with it. We, we honestly have like so far to go in the way that we as a society perceive gay people and the overall gay experience. Um, but I wanna ask a, a, a last question because I can't believe like the time's already up. It's already been like 45 minutes. It's gone by so fast. This is, this is what I love about having a podcast. It's just the most engaging conversation. Kind of in line with you know talk you wanting to create content that helps younger people be able to love themselves and be able to know that who they are is, is valid. Um, I want to ask you like, <sighs> First off, what would you tell yourself it being in that situation when, you know, you were coming to terms with your sexuality and you felt that shame? Now, as an adult, what would you tell yourself? And then secondly, what one message do you want to share with anyone who is watching that is struggling to come to terms with who they are? Oh, my God. It's like the hardest, I know. the most important <laughs> question. I know I would say that... Your future is so bright, it hurts my eyes. That's <laughs> something that Oprah said to me. Um, mm, I love that. And I would also say that you will be, um, you know, you will be okay. What what you believe to be, I'm trying to imagine like little Josh is right here. So like mm -hmm. everything that's happening right now is completely temporary. This is super important. What is going to happen in your future is going to be so much more married to what you want it to be because you will get control. Like mm -hmm. when you turn 18, you get to go to college or you get to get a job or you get to do whatever you want and you don't have to be in this town and be in those four walls and uh, that like, someone else chose for you, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't choose my school and I didn't choose my classmates and I didn't choose my hometown. 
and I get to choose. So you will get to choose when you're 18 and that is how your life is going to get better because people always say it gets better and it gets better because you get control of your life. Yes, you get stronger. There are resources that are needed, but you get stronger because you're, you know, it's in our culture, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. taken care of up until you're like 17, 18 type thing. And then you're like pushed out on your own. And that's (laughs) the moment when it does start to get better. And there might be a struggle because, so I want little me to know that um, it's going to get better when I get control and I'm going to learn so many things that I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think I know everything and I don't. Um, and there are so many people out there who love you. Most people love you. And the world is going to change because mm-hmm. although it still is really hard for LGBT kids today, it is different. Um, yes. and, and it is a slightly better place because it was really brutal. I mean, every single piece of content, you could be openly homophobic and transphobic in movies and TV. Mm-hmm. Of course, now today, that's not really tolerated outside of like, you know, sly ways that they incorporated into places like Fox News and stuff. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's uh, it's just a different like cultural thing. So I want myself to know that it is going to be so much brighter when I get control and to hang on. And I would say that same thing to any LGBTQ kid today. Yes. What your mom is telling you or what your dad is telling you, or what your friends are telling you, or even what you're telling you about yourself is not true. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what's true. You are perfect as you are. You, God, if you believe in God or the universe or that spirit made you this way, this is not abnormal. You are completely normal. And in fact, you're really, really, really fucking powerful because mm-hmm. all of the stuff that you had to go through to get here, all of that trauma is what taught you to be strong and what taught you to be creative and what taught you to get what you want because you are special and you have a spark. LGBTQ people constantly show that they have a spark and they need to have that spark to prove that they're worthy. But that spark to prove that they're worthy, although it comes from a dark place, is their superpower. Mm -hmm. And to have that superpower is an incredible, incredible advantage in life. And uh, when it goes into their bright future, it is going to help them dramatically. So hold on tight because what's going on right now in your childhood is not your future. Your future is going to be so, so bright. That's so beautiful. I love that you said things that I say all the time where I'm like, don't worry about if it gets better because you get stronger. You're going to become such more of Mm. a stronger person. And that trauma, those challenging life experiences, you can use as your greatest strength to not only make sure that you have the life of your dreams, but also impact so many other people and change other people's lives and make the world such a better place. And where you are right now is not forever. And you know, your the future is so bright. I love that quote from Oprah. I haven't heard that before. I, I love it. And I completely agree with it. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was such a beautiful way, I think, to end the podcast. And I just want to restate that. I just think you're such a positive beacon of light in the world right now. I think with everything going on with, oh, you know, all the bullshit of the new policies and the changing climate for LGBTQI plus people, all that kind of stuff. I think what you are doing, what you're creating, the message you're sending to the world is so needed. And I know it's changing lives. It's really helped, you know, my perspective. And I know that there are so many kids out there who are watching your content, holding on to that hope. And I just want to say thank you so much for doing that. And I know everyone who's watching feels the same way as well. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I hope that we can meet again in person longer than like a five second introduction at VidCon. (laughs) I hope that we can meet and hang out whether you come to Hawaii or whether I go to New York. Um, And where can people follow you? Where can they find you? Oh, yes. Well, thank you, Hiram, for all of that. And you're making a huge difference too. You can follow me on uh, TikTok and Instagram and all the platforms at Josh Helfgott, my name. 
awesome. Pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, pretty simple. Thank you you, you guys will find them quickly. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Thank you everyone for watching this episode. Make sure you subscribe to Just Position, the YouTube channel, so you can see all the videos and also stream it on any platform that you love to listen to your podcast. This has been a production of Ramble, a Cadence 13 studio. New episodes are out every single Thursday, and I will see all of you in the next one. Love you guys. Mwah. Oh, 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 oh,